Hello, you amazing people out there, and welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm your host, Angel, with Phil Pepe. How's it going, Angel? Woo, it is going. It's going. It's spring, and it's like 49 degrees outside. It's crazy. And yesterday it was like 70 or something like that. It's bonkers. It's um, weird. It is weird. How yeah, you doing? Taxes yeah. are done. Are they? <laughs> yeah, I got my taxes done. Oh, yeah. I, I, I said, wish I didn't. <laughs> yeah. We said that was a while back and we haven't heard anything. So maybe our, our accountant died. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens if uh, the IRS actually comes after us. You pay double when your accountant dies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. All right, gang. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Indie Comic Review. This is where Phil and I, uh, we, you know, browse the shelves of uh, Joker's Child and see what new number ones have come out for independent comics. You know, they catch our eye and then uh, we read them and we give our two cents. And hopefully uh, we don't get any change back. So uh, this is for the week of 420. We only have one book, but we did want to kind of just mention some of the books that we we did review a while back that, you know, started at number ones and kind of finished their runs. Uh, we have two of them, actually, this week. Uh, one was The Knighted. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is that from AWA? That is exactly from AWA. Yes, yeah. it is from AWA. <laughs> yes. And... Uh, yeah, I, I liked it from the very beginning. I mean, it was just one of these things where it's like, uh, it, it's hard to not say that something reminds you of something else. So this is sort of like that superhero trope of like the the Batman kind of type. But it really, you know, tossed it on its head with, you know, what the Batman character, the original Batman character was, uh, which was quite funny. It was it, it was like Batman meets Porky's. <laughs> And if, if you're not old enough to know that reference, then, yeah, I feel sorry for you. And if you are old enough to understand that reference, then, yes, I feel sorry for you, too. Uh, so, yeah, so we basically have sort of like this uh, uh, forensic uh, police officer uh, who kind of just falls happenstancely in, into uh, a superhero role because the actual superhero is actually... Not, not, not a good guy or doing it for the right <laughs> reasons. But he's a multi-billionaire or whatever. And uh, this uh, forensic scientist ends up taking over the role um, through, you know, whatever means. Uh, it, and, and so now we get to issue five of five. Um, and it's sort of been this journey of this guy that's hopped into this, this role that he's been resisting to have. And it reminded me of a couple things, right? I, I already have the Batman reference. I have the Porky's reference. There's um, uh, Mark Millar wanted, um, yep. you know, feeling to the book as well. So it takes it, it almost has a feel from all these different angles and, and really puts it um, together really well uh, with, you know, Mark Testera art, who I haven't, you know, he hasn't drawn anything for me since like the 90s. Uh, well, I mean, he didn't draw the book for me, but I haven't seen any of his art <laughs> since like the 90s. Um, and it's just a really nice, intricate story. Um, the payoff at the end, to me, though, felt a little tiny bit rushed. I don't know about you. Um, you know, we had five issues of this drawing out of this guy who was really reluctant in taking on the superhero role. Then you had a couple of issues of him being sort of like in that role, but still kind of resistant. And then, you know, you get to issue five and there's a it's 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 satisfying. I'm not don't 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 get me wrong, but it just felt like it it was more rushed than the previous four issues. It, it was very uh, open ended, right? So yes. clearly, this fifth issue is the end of of what will be volume one of Knighted, 
Um, and yeah, you're right. It almost feels as if they, you know, partway through this, they were like, oh, we can really do more with this. So rather than putting a, a, a final ending on that, let's leave it open ending so we can have room for more. Um, Which so, is yeah, cool because if that, if, if it was meant only to be a five issue series and, you know, halfway through the sales were actually pretty decent, that yep. they could make, you know, sort of like a turn and say, hey, let's, let's leave this open ended just in case we can, you know, add a little bit more to that. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a really good job. Uh, Greg Hurwitz, who mainly, I think, comes from uh, film, television, and novels, Mark Teixeira, comic legend, and Lee Loffridge, really uh, really delivered a really good product. Uh, and even just the five issues in and of themselves, a very satisfying read. Uh, but yeah, it does that, 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 that rule of entertainment. It does leave you wanting more. Uh, and they do have like a little cliffhanger in there. So, uh, so probably expect Night at Volume 2. Uh, at some point, uh, but if you miss the five issues, you know there's definitely going to be a collection down the road or track down those uh, those back issues because it was definitely well worth a read. Yeah. Like you said, it just it, it twisted the superhero tropes on its head. There were some really nice surprises in there, uh, and then again, you know, some really good character growth from the main guy that you're following. So yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Yeah, it was good. And and just a little bit of trivia for you guys. So if you go to jokerschild.com and actually take a look at the Joker's Child logo. That was actually designed by Mark Texera. Yes, it was. Yeah. So yeah, so we've got some famous blood in our blood. <laughs> and when that, so yeah, literally, because someone on staff actually has that. <laughs> so. This is this is actually really true. So yeah, so if you walk in, just ask to see everyone's calf. This is, uh, show, show me your calf. Yeah. Show me your calf, um, or come into somewhere. Everybody's wearing shorts. Yes. Um, yeah. So definitely, it, it was a really fun read. Really easy read. Um, uh, definitely pick it up if you can in collected edition uh, when it comes out and it's available. Night it from AWA. Uh, what was the other book? So the other book was from Ablaze. Uh, it was called Animal Castle. And this is one of those, is it an ongoing? Is it a mini? How many is it going to be as a mini until you get to the end of the fifth issue? And you're like, okay, that is an ending. Uh, but again, with a little bit room for more. So I would probably expect another volume from Animal Castle at some point. Um, this is a really, uh, really neat, emotional anthropomorphic tale sure um you know basically all your main characters that you're following are animals that do speak to each other um but but this style of art was really engaging um you know again it's uh it, it follows sort of the same rules as the george orwell animal farm uh where you basically have this caste system uh in this castle the animals are all ruled by this bull named president silvio uh and there's always these little uprisings that he quells using his vicious dogs uh, and you have this one, you know, uh, brave cat struggling to kind of keep everything together. Um, I really love the artwork, uh, you know, uh, that really on this series, it really pulled you through. Uh, it really, I think when we originally reviewed the first issue, it reminded me a lot of, uh, the, 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 the turn of the 18th and 19th century. And, you know, even I guess the late 19th, early, early 20th century political cartoons in style and even how the word balloons were done. Um, Xavier Derrison and uh, Felix Dillette, uh were the writer art team on this. Uh, really, really cool stuff that, that, you know, again, you know, the anthropomorphic thing, it is sort of an acquired taste. I don't always like it, but when there's a cat involved, I'm kind of in. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I really thought they, they did a really good job with this, knocked this out of the park. Um, again, you're, you know, the, the ability that uh, Felix Dillette has to, to you know 
take the animal faces and give that emotion in there, whether they're happy, sad, traumatized. Uh, he's very expressive in his art. And it, I thought this is a really, really good five issue. Uh, they basically have the hardcover coming out in July uh, that collects the five issues of Animal Castle. I'm sure there'll be a trade after that. And I'm sure there will be a volume two at some point because um, while there is an ending, like I said, it is a sort of uh, uh, almost ambiguous open ending as well. So there mm. is a little bit room for more uh, if uh, if that's what people want. So Animal Castle by Ablaze Comics. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely check that out, man. It um, it, 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 it might move you. Cool. Cool. <laughs> awesome. All right, yeah. All right, so then those those basically our follow up for this week, just because we were very light on uh, books. So the one book that we do have is for the week of April twentieth. So you want you want to hop right into this one? Sure. This is because uh, I have mixed feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was um, okay. So this is from Dark Horse. Uh, you know, again the the top two of the indie tier. Uh, this is called The Collector Unit Seven Thirty One. Not what I initially read it as the collector unit 731. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the collector is sort of, I would say, so this seems like this is gearing up to be a series of, of, of mini series. And the collector is sort of like, that is your headlight. Like that's your, your character title, right? It's even got this funky little uh, hourglass in the O, uh, you know, and so it's very localized. Right. Um, and, and unit 731 is the title of this particular story. And I'm going to say that because the information that I was gathering before reading this. And then while I was reading this, you know, you're not going to really get that by reading the comic. It's really more in the description of the comic and some of the solicitations uh, that this is the first part of what's to be a larger work. It confused me while reading it because I felt like I was in the middle of a larger work. Mm. Right. Uh, so we're going to, so the credits, uh, this is uh, was script by Will Conrad and Rod Montero. The line art by Will Conrad, colors by Marco Lesko, uh, again, lettering Richard Starkings and comic crafts Jimmy Betancourt, uh, and edited by Freddie Miller. Um, so, so here's the thing with this book is you, you basically have a guy, as it says right there on the inside front cover, through many lifetimes he's traveled. So basically we're... We're in Highlander territory here, Angel. You have this guy. Okay, wait. Full disclosure, and I'm telling you before I tell AJ, I actually watched the whole you thing last night. It. Oh my gosh, you finished it. Oh my gosh. Don't and go any further. Don't watch two, okay. Don't watch three. Don't watch Endgame. Don't watch the series. You have been <sighs> done. You're, there can be only one when it comes to this franchise. Listen, I try. I tried. This is what I try to do, right? I try to like do it while I was half asleep so that I could make believe I was back in the 80s. And then that's probably when I would have enjoyed it the most because just everything in it was just like... And I went back and I actually counted how many flips the guy did in the fake Madison Square Garden. And it was 13 unnecessary flips. Backflips. And I was like, what the, what the hell? And, and it then, still did him no good in that fight, man. Uh, but to be honest, I mean, it was like 1040 at night, so I was in and out of it. Um, however, I will say this. I will say this. The one thing that I loved, not liked, loved about that movie, and I don't, I don't know if you remember it, was Rachel. Yes. That whole fuck, like, it took me a second, and I was like, no fucking way. 
That little girl that he saved in World War II or whatever, yep. frequently, yeah, World War II, the Nazis. Fuck, and she was working for him as a grown up, and right. dude, that that love relationship that they had, which was not sexual, by the way, right. just like this. They killed all of my fam without even saying it. Was probably the best part of that freaking movie. So I would and probably it, watch it again just for that 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 portion of the freaking movie. Everything and else, it's an interest- fuck off. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic for that character. I mean, she really is a very strong character in the fact that, yes, yeah, she goes from being a protected child to, you know, being raised by this guy to essentially kind of becoming his mother by the end because she's like, oh, I want what's best for you and, yep. and go off with this person. And da, 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 you know, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the movie and it's funny that, that that's what really grabbed you the most because that's, I think, where the movie fails is that it hints at these lives that this guy has led. Right. And I think that would have been a more interesting movie to explore, you know, the various eras this guy lived in and then pushing some of the, 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 the Kurgan and the quickening stuff a little more towards the bottom. Like, like, like they spend a lot of time on, on him learning and discovering and training and Ramirez and da da da. Um, and, and then of course the contemporary action, I think the strength in that is, is what would it be like for this guy to have lived this immortal life? Yeah. And, um, and, and the, uh, but then you would have had a four hour movie. You would have probably four. And, you know, and then that's why they made the TV series. But again, the TV series was just not good. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so that's kind of why I was like really a little excited about the collector uh, because that sort of seems what this is doing. So you're, 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 so, um, so again, uh, congratulations on finally. Finishing Highland, right? <laughs> I don't know if it deserves congratulations. Tomorrow. Yes. Uh, but, uh, and I gotta say, I still love that final fight scene on silver cup studios. I think that is a very, very cool sword fight scene. I don't think movies have enough really good sword fight scenes. And I really like that one. Okay. Uh, so if you go back and watch it, yeah. that sword fight scene was done. 10 times throughout the movie. So even though the sequences of what they're doing at the end may seem different, like their body movement, it's one choreography. It's one choreography of sword play. That's all they had to learn. It was fantastic. And the uh, the the other thing that really strains credibility is this. I don't know if this exists out there, but the Kurgan has this really cool badass looking sword, but that can come apart and then be put back together. Yeah. And I don't know, I think there's something about the stability and the integrity of a sword that you don't want to see right in the middle of that the you can take apart. But, yes. You know, well, whatever. Listen, I, like, the other problem that I had with this was the fact that his wife from, you know, old Scotland yeah. was hotter and so was Rachel hotter than the chick that he banged. I was like, what is wrong with this movie? All right, she was dating the director, right. Russell Mulcahy. All right, sorry, guys. We got off the rails here. So there, there was a connection between Highlander and this. This is why it came up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I've been really reluctant at watching this movie because I watched the first 20 minutes and I was like, when the falling rocks just started bouncing off of people, I was done. But go ahead. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut so, you off. So basically, uh, what like what the Collector series seems to be doing by Will Conrad and Rod Montero uh, is to fulfill on that promise, the thing that we were talking about just a, a little bit ago. Um, what if you lived for centuries and you were sort of this quasi-immortal and you were living through various periods of history? And it looks like that's what this is doing. That's who the Collector is. Uh, he is a guy 
who is called Michael Smith and has lived many lives over the years. Um, and so we start out where he's, again, much like Highlander, he's got an antique shop in New York City. Uh, this is in the present day. And he comes across an obituary of a man who he apparently knew uh, when they were both imprisoned in World War II uh, by the Japanese. And so basically what you have at that point is you're basically now stuck right in um, the 1940s, World War II era uh, with this guy's experience in this uh, internment camp um, and how they're basically being used for biological experiments by the Japanese soldiers and, and doctors. Um, and again, a little, a little, little, little present or a little, uh, I guess, contemporary as far as uh, what people's fears were over the last couple of years, especially with vaccine rollouts and what are you putting into my body and things like that. And this setup for this experiment is, okay, they're, they're, we're going to tell all the prisoners that there's an outbreak of this virus. They're all going to get this vaccine, but this vaccine is nothing. We're going to separate the two groups of prisoners. We're going to have a control group that we're going to keep isolated. And then we're going to have a bunch of other guys that we're going to pump uh, uh, this, 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 this virus into their cells. So that they're, they're breathing in this bacteria. They're going to get sick we're going to see how people respond when the vaccine doesn't seem to be working and we're just going to watch all hell break loose in our in our prison camp that's basically the setup of what these japanese doctors and soldiers are doing to these guys and that is basically the whole first issue mm -hmm. uh you, you so again it's a little light on on on, on what's on what's going on it's very much set up uh very much set up for this one particular story of unit 731 as experienced by our main character the collector um so this is a very small opening piece of what looks to be a much larger work and that's what excites me is the 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 promise the potential of where this could go um more so than the actual issue will conrad's art is great yeah. uh, everything is clear uh, the people are expressive and emotive uh and 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 you really get a good sense of what's going on there's a good attention to detail uh but it's all very light um and and again you know i think it's it's it, it's strength is its promise of what's to come and then even what's to come after this unit 731 story is finished so I'm into it. I, I, I want to check it out. I want to keep going with it. Uh, but yeah, as a first issue, it just, it, it felt a little slim. It felt like uh, it needed a little more meat. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, like this needed to be a double size issue and uh, yeah. we just don't know what it's meant to be yet. And it's, it's good to see sort of like an immortal story being told and it's not a superhero story. This is just a guy yep. who's, you know, it, it's opening up and his name is Michael. He's going by Michael currently. Yeah, and uh, it's him opening up this file or seeing an obituary of somebody that passed away, and that this is the story of that person that I guess he met at the at the camp. Yeah, um, and then so it's pretty much just the whole entire flashback, uh, and then so the continuation is going to still be that flashback. So it's gonna I, I'm going to give it one more issue. I just you know with as much as we're reading, I don't know how much it can be vested into a, a story that doesn't give away too much. Um, or give you enough to, to want to keep going. Like For me, it has to be one of two things, right? You have enough information that you're intrigued to, to find out what the rest of the story is, or you have to be invested in the character because you want to know what's going to happen to the character. 
Right. I don't care about the character. We don't know a, enough about the Yeah, we don't just, know enough at all. And, and, and even in story, you don't even know that this guy is immortal. I think there's like one or two very subtle hints that he's lived a long time right. up to this point in the, in the 40s. But it's really, it is, it's, it's that, 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 that paragraph on the inside front cover that, that really sets it up. And I think that you should do that in story, right? Yes, yes. But you know what? It's, it's a double-edged sword, right? So you're relying on that information to give to the reader so that they go in knowing where the premise may lead or say it's the power of the character or it's the, the characteristic of the character. So you're already being told and you have these pre-notions that nothing can happen to this guy because he's an immortal. Right. So it's, it's almost like watching the Titanic. Um, you know the ship's going to sink at the end. But I haven't finished it yet. Yeah. There was a, there was a, a falling uh, rivet that, that bounced off of your shoulders. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so it, it, it's it's giving you information ahead of the story so that, you know, you have these pre-notions already of, you know, what can and cannot happen to this character. So the storytelling itself has to be riveting enough to keep going, even though you may know what may happen kind of thing. And, and I think that's where it kind of just fell short for me. So yeah. yeah. And, and, if, and, and if we didn't have that information, then there's no way in hell that I would have been able to figure it out that he was an immortal. Right. Because there's no information there. I think that, that you're right. I think the story would have been better served, uh, like you said, with a larger first issue, uh, not knowing from the inside cover blurb that this guy was immortal and discovering that as you're reading the story, right? Yeah. The discovery, you know, uh, but, but again, as far as a, as a protagonist, I mean, yeah, he's, he really, he's just generic, tough, good guy, you know? Yes. And there's no real layers or levels to him at this point in the story, uh, except that he just has a very honest sort of reaction to, to, at the, to what happens to him at the end when obviously he's getting sick from this. Um, you know, I think anybody would kind of be looking in that what he's looking at. We don't know what he's looking at, but it came out of him. You'd be like, oh, yes. oh crap. You know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think this thing, uh, the collector unit 731, um, I think is going to be uh, a, a really good collected edition. I think uh, reading it as, as one big chunk of a story, uh, I think will give us all the information, hopefully, um, and then really set up this guy, this Michael Smith, the collector, uh, and make readers want to read more about his experiences yeah. living as an immortal. I agree. And uh, I mean, and we're not, in no way are we saying that this was bad. This is actually really good. It was really well written. The yep. art is great. I mean, the, the creative team on this is, is fantastic. It's just a matter of, you know, our, our reading preference and how much information that we're given an issue that drives us to, whether, to want to buy the next issue, especially yep. with the amount of content that we're consuming each week. So if we look at, you know, we had this one book to read this week, um, but what if I had five? You right. know, would it stand out from the other four? And yep. so I guess it just comes down to preference off of that. So, yeah, uh, check it out. The Collective from Dark Horse. We've been reading a lot of stuff from Dark Horse lately, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, they've been uh, doing pretty good. I yeah. think they're whatever Richardson you know, is doing over there. Just keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, look, they you know they lost a couple big licenses, so they're taking more risks, which I think is very cool for them. Yeah, to do. which is fantastic. So, yeah. uh, and I think uh, wait, wait. So we had we have demons, and I think if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Smith's imprint is going to be in the dark horse as well now under dark horse yeah yeah so yeah yeah they got a couple things going on all right cool all right well that's the one issue that we have for you guys this week 
Um, as mentioned before, I think we're this is what this is the twenty first as of recording. Um, but yeah, so we have just a couple weeks away before our Kickstarter for Amazing Action Comics does kick off. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're really excited. Justin and I are really excited to bring you the second volume, issue number one, Project Shadow Breed. Uh, the title is Two's Company. Three is something else. <laughs> no, nah, I'm joking. Three. Um, it's something along those lines. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. So I think the first volume of, of this was a really good introduction into the Project Shadow Breed sort of like universe that he's building, which was fantastic. Um, and now, now we're getting into the meat and bones of these two guys that are, you know, still on the run from this private organization that was hired by the military to, you know, perform these experiments on soldiers. A lot of stuff has gone awry, and now they're making trouble, not just for uh, the local, you know, I guess, organized crime bosses, but now it's seeping into the to the pockets of that that same organization that has been looking for them. So they've kind of popped up on the radar, and now we're going to have all of these other characters, you know, popping up um, that are going to be in search for these two guys, Marrick and Leroy, who are just causing a lot of havoc, and at the same time, you have Marrick who's struggling with his own identity because he's stuck in this half transformation of werewolf and man, but at the same time he can't remember a lot of things because of the explosion that happened to him in the first okay. volume. So it's, it's a lot of him piecing stuff back together so he can understand what's happened. And, and it's really great. And I don't want to give away too much, but there's this really great dynamic that Leroy and Marek have with one another that's going to be really you know put to a test with information that starts to leak out and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's moving into a place where it's just like, Holy fuck, Justin, you got to slow down because, um, yeah, it's crazy. So we've got that on launching on May 1st. So make sure you visit AmazingActionComics.com. And right on the front page, you're going to see, you know, just notify me. Just click on that. That takes you to the Kickstarter pre-launch page. That way you can know as soon as we launch it and, and you can stay up to date on that. We do have some, like, early bird, uh, you know, tiers, which gives you a ton of stuff at a really reduced price and stuff like that. And I, we made them limited. So you want to hop on there quickly to make sure you take advantage of those. Um, and I think it's going to even include original art, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're really excited. And the other thing is that this particular book will just be for Kickstarter. So there is going to be a direct mark, direct market edition, which is going to be for stores, but it's not going to have all the stuff that the Kickstarter version has. So okay. we're going to include the full script. Um, in the back of the book, and some other great things that'll be part of just the Kickstarter and not the regular uh, copy that's going to go on store shelves. So, yeah, we, we really wanted to take care of uh, people that support um, any comics um, in this way. So, amazingactioncomics.com, don't sleep on it, uh, support any comics. Uh, now, now, uh, now if, if people have yet to pick up the first volume the first trade yep. uh, and don't have an opportunity god forbid before then uh before this one comes out they can go in cold and still have a good experience really absolutely cool. absolutely so he, however that being said if they wanted to catch up and get up to speed mm -hmm. the single issues and the trade are, are still available on your website right yes well actually no more because they were sold out so in in these tiers we're going to have a pdf version that um, of the uh, first volume. Um, so if somebody wants to catch up, there'll be a PDF version. We do have, we're in the works of, you know, doing another round of uh, uh, the hard copies 
Um, so yeah, so but there is an opportunity there. You don't have to have the first volume in hand to follow along with the story because there's going to be a recap page as well with pretty much just the highlights of where we are up to right now. Um, so yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, and we're looking at making each block its own individual story unique. And you'll see sort of like the trends between each block, but you can hop in on any one of those blocks at any time. Um, so that's another thing that we're trying to be really creative with so that we can make sure that it's easy enough of a jumping point for our new people that are coming into the Project Shadow B world. Um, and then shortly after that, we have uh, the next volume of Red Hyena, uh, which is looking absolutely wonderful. I mean, um, Julian Derber, who's working on this, uh, the artist, yeah. he uh, changed his art style for this one. So it looks like more rough pencils, which looks freaking phenomenal. Uh, for this book. So we're really excited about that. So as, as that rolls out, we'll give you more information. Um, but yeah, definitely look out for Project Shadowbreak coming out uh, May 1st for you guys on that. Uh, if you guys enjoy what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast. If you want to be on the podcast, if you're a creator looking to either promote yourself or a project that you have coming up, whether it's going into stores or if you're launching your own crowdfunding campaign, uh, visit AmazingActionComics.com slash podcast. Fill out the form. Phil and I would love to have you on, talk about your project, um, and help promote whatever you got going on. Uh, at the same time, also remember to support your local comic shops, especially if they're a big indie supporter. You got to get in there. Uh, Phil, where do you get your comics from? Why, I get mine at The Joker's Child in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Uh, look, we got a lot of really great toys in this week. I'm going to stress the toys today. I mean, yes, they got comics, back issues, new stuff, collected editions. We were some really, really cool toys in this week. We got some great McFarlane figures, uh, a really, really cool Christopher Reeve Mezco 112 collection Superman that somebody better buy it before I go broke because I love this thing. Uh, so yeah, there, there's so much there with the Joker's Child. Come on, check us out. And you know, free comic book day is coming on May 7th on Saturdays. So, uh, you know, we'll be there giving out the free comics. It is. So if you ever find yourself in the North Jersey Fairlawn area, come by, say hello. If not, make sure you support your local comic shop. All right, boys and girls, that is all that we have for you this week. Remember, visit AmazingActionComics.com for all your amazing independent needs. Until next time, be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing. Amazing.